at the request of one of our supporters, I have been producing a few podcasts on the cancel culture. She's not the only one. Several of you have been asking me many questions about what's going on in our society. And the reason for that is, is because you care. You are a caring Christian community, and you have concerns about what is happening in our society, specifically the cancel culture. Of course, it's more than that, but it seems like the cancel culture, that term encapsulates all of the things that we are struggling with as far as the culture and politics is concerned, and even our friends. And so in response to those who want to know how to respond I want to do another podcast. I have done several, but this one, what I'm doing here is I'm going to share with you 10 things that I shared to one of our supporting members. And so we were having this conversation on our on the supporter side of our community and one of our longtime supporters, as I mentioned in a past podcast, Joanne, she was asking, and, and so I shared some things with her. I did a podcast. I did two podcasts for her, and now I'm doing a third one. But this one is actually what I wrote out. I've edited a little bit, but it's what I wrote out to her on our supporting member forum. And so the title of this podcast is 10 Helpful Ideas When Speaking Against the Cancel Culture. And these are the 10 things that I told to my uh, friend Joanne. And so this is episode 313. And if you heard that barking in the background, that would be Bentley, who we affectionately call Benny. Uh, He wanted to get in on this podcast. Hello, everyone. I am Rick Thomas. Thank you so much for being here. Again, this is episode 313, 10 Helpful Ideas When Speaking Against the Cancel Culture. Now, let me make an appeal to you to become a supporting member of our community. We do need you. We have unending, ongoing work. It's been constant busyness from the day that we started this ministry almost 13 years ago. And I want you to know that we have many well-thought-out, culturally relevant, practical conversations that do happen on the member side of our website, the supporting member, the private side of our forums. And so if you have not subscribed to our members-only forum, I appeal to you to do that now. Become a supporting member. I mean, as little as $5 a month. That works. That's fine. But we need your support, and we do want to serve you. We desire to help you work through these everyday struggles. And so I want to give you the 10 things that I did tell our supporting member. And if you are a member and you want to read or comment on that conversation, then I have a link here in the show notes and you can go right to the private side of our forum to that specific conversation and you're welcome to chime in on it. Episode 313, 10 Helpful Ideas When Speaking Against the Cancel Culture. They are in no particular order. None of them have a significant priority over the other. This is just how I riffed on them, how I reeled them off uh, to Joanne. The first thing that I said, number one, a calm friend. Now, to put it in context, she was asking about 
responding to uh, someone on a social media platform, and she was having second thoughts about it. And so it's that tension that we all have. Uh, we're frustrated with what is going on. We we see something that goes across our screen, our stream, and we might respond impulsively. I'm not saying that she did, but I know that <laughs> I know that I have, and and she being humble and 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 wanting to do things right right way uh, she was appropriately second guessing herself and asked me about it so that is the context and so i told her that what you need number 1 you need a calm friend you need a a calm friend if you think you are harsh at any point in your conversation whether it's online or in your own home or like say for those of you who counsel regularly as i have for a long time well if you talk as much as i talk you you're going to say things inappropriately you're going to say things the wrong way and there have been more than one counseling session where i have during or at the end of the counseling session where i ask the person the counselee how did i come across what was the vibe? What was the tone? What were you? How were you receiving what I said? On a few a few occasions, some have said that you were a little too harsh, or it felt harsh, and that gave me an opportunity to ask for forgiveness. And this is what I'm what I suggested to to Joanne that if you think you are harsh at any point, then what I would ask you to do is to run what you believe was harsh by a friend who will speak truth to you. And I am not talking about just any friend. I'm talking about a friend who will speak the truth to you. And by the way, when you pick your friend, your friend cannot, cannot be as frustrated with the culture as you are. Because if you pick a frustrated friend, well, you're in an echo chamber at that point because they won't see it as being harsh. In fact, they may even urge you to turn up the flame just a little bit. Oh, that wasn't harsh. Here's what I would say to them if I could get my two cents in. You don't want that kind of friend. Not not for this evaluation you want a calm friend, a calm, objective soul. Now, I have one of those, thank God. I've always asked Lucia, my wife, about such matters when I sense a point that I that I made was wrapped around an arrow that I was ready to launch into somebody. I call that ready, fire, aim. Well, sometimes I do that. I launch prematurely and it doesn't end well for the person who received my harsh critique. And, well, I, I would like to think that in all of those occasions that there has been reconciliation, and so it did end well eventually, but unfortunately it hurt. It stung just a little bit. And so I have a calm, objective friend, and I would say that Lucia has been right 100 out of 100 times which has helped me to tone down my, my passion when my passion is excited. And so having a good backup friend is priceless. Number one, a calm friend. Number two, move on. Move on. If you and others do not see what you said as harsh, move on. I don't know how to say it more clearly. Don't look back move on. You you evaluated. 
You gave it an assessment. You, you spoke to a calm, objective friend, and they didn't rubber stamp you. They didn't get all wound up, too, because they're just as frustrated as you are. Move on. Number three, blowback. You have to recognize that speaking up will divide friends and family. Now, I know that all of you will acknowledge that, but I'm asking you to do more than just acknowledge, than just acknowledge or just stating the obvious. Every one of us knows that if we speak up about anything that is divisive and what's going on in our culture today is about as divisive as any of us have ever experienced in any of our lives. And so I'm asking you to do more than just acknowledge the fact that there will be blowback. There's a difference between knowing something and then self-censoring out of fear versus knowing something and acting on it. Too many people know they will be blowback, blow and so they self-censor out of fear. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying that. You, you need to not only know it, but you need to act on it. You need to assume that it's going to happen. There is an intuitive reason that folks don't speak out. It's because they know it will cause blowback. And so I'm not merely asking you to to understand the obvious, but understand the obvious and then practically gird up your loins and be prepared because friends and family, some friends and family will not, uh, they will not respond the way that you hope they would and you may self-censor yourself, which leads into number four is consequences, consequences. We, I, have lost friends. We've lost supporters. We've lost ministry advancement, places where we can't go, people who have the power to permit us to, to go into their pastures and serve in their pastures and in their organizations. They won't let me do that because of positions, some of the positions that I've taken on different things. And I'm not just talking about political issues or cultural issues. I'm talking about, you know, like, say, my take on abuse. There is an entire shrill community that have gone through. They have been legitimately abused by different people, spouses and authoritarian figures, other authoritarian figures, etc. And rather than responding with humility, it is a shrill culture. And if you speak in a way that remotely is not how they want you to think about the idea of abuse. They will come after you, and, and they do that with, with a lot of hostility and no social filter. And so it's not just, not just the cancel culture. We Christians can be, we can be awful in cutting people off because we don't line up perfectly with each other. And so there will be consequences, and that's my point here. It doesn't matter what the subject matter is. If you have a position and you share it, there will be folks who disagree. This reality is why so many Christians keep their mouths shut. They are fearful, and they don't want the bother of relational conflict. That saddens my soul. I'm not angry with them. I'm not even frustrated with them. But I am, I am sad. I am disappointed. And I do understand. I mean, you, the temptation that you feel, the insecurity that you feel, the fear that you uh, recognize in your own soul, I am no different from you. I am no different from you. I, I sense it too. I know that there will be blowback, point number three. People will not respond 
uh, well. Some people won't respond well. I know there'll be consequences, number four, but we have to speak up with what we believe. And then number five is perseverance. There is a way to speak out. And I have done this well. I have done this so well at times. And I've done it awfully too. I regret some of the ways that I have spoken about some things in the past. If I dwell too much on it, I would be embarrassed. And so I have to go to point number two, move on. I just need to move on and don't wallow in, in the, the memory of regret because, well, you just can't go there in your mind. You ask people to forgive you and you, you move on. You have to persevere. Point number five, I do regret some of the ways that I've spoken, about, spoken out about things in my past, but my failures, by the grace of God, at this juncture, do not keep me from speaking out today. I hope to learn to communicate well and keep on doing it. Perseverance I'm talking about. Christ would not want any Christian to take their light from the hill or dilute the salt they should share. Christians should speak into every matter that pertains to life and godliness. I have more respect for those who try and do it poorly than those fearful souls who do not do it at all. Number five, perseverance. Number six, maturity. One of the best that I have seen, there are many, but there's one that I have just watched over the past couple of years at Sharing Divisive Truth, and it is Franklin Graham on Twitter. Franklin Graham on Twitter has a very strong opinion about cultural manners, but he's not snarky, he's not sarcastic. He's not mocking. He's not jesting. He's not crude in any way. I've never seen that. He doesn't get into spats. He shares the truth and moves on. Now, just as one example, I, I aim to be like him when it comes to communicating God's truth in the public space. And maybe that would be a helpful exercise for you. If you have a Twitter account, first of all, if you have a Twitter account, please follow me if you have one. But maybe even get a Twitter account and then follow Franklin Graham and just read uh, through his stream what he shares. He shares the truth. He speaks out against different things and he moves on. He doesn't get into spats. He's not managed by people's opinions. He's not managed by any kind of phantom fear that he might have. He doesn't appear to be. He just he he does what he does. And, and he just moves on. And I think it would be good for many to, to read. I mean, there are Christians who I line up more, better theologically than Franklin Graham. But I wouldn't follow them anywhere because they're so, they're everything that I said he's not. They're snarky, they're sarcastic, there's mocking, they jest, they're crude, they just seem downright angry. It's tempting to call names here, but I'm not wanting to intentionally alienate people because these are some of the people that I know many of you love, and I don't I don't follow them or listen to what they have to say because of the attitude in which they say it. And then I I do uh, Samaritan's Purse, which is what Franklin 
Graham. His operation is in Boone, North Carolina, which is uh, an hour and a half or two from due north of where I live. I've been up there. One of our supporters uh, works for that ministry, and so I have some familiarity with it. And so, but I follow him on Twitter because uh, they do a lot of stuff in rescue work, and when there's storms or uh, ev- uh, um, nat- natural disasters, uh, Samaritan's Purse is there on the scene, and to follow him is is almost it's like following news. It's one way to tr- to get a perspective on what's going on in the news, specifically natural disasters. But by following him, I he also speaks out against political things, and I I read how he does that, and it's like. Yeah, that's the way I should do it. That's the way a lot of us should do it as as an example. This is point number six is maturity. Maturity. And so just as an illustration. And so I want to be like that when communicating God's truth in the public space. Number seven, shrouding truth. Too many Christians have a divisive edge on them, as I was speaking of earlier. I'm not going to call out any of their names, but if you have any sensibilities about you and you read some of these people, what they put out on Twitter and other places, it's like, no, they have a divisive edge about them that, in my view, is just unnecessary. And and many of these are national leaders. And what happens too often is they spawn followers with a similar kind of attitude. Their persona hurts the cause of Christ. You know, I'm not talking about shying away from the truth. I'm I'm not making that case at all. If you've listened well, you have discerned well, and you know that I'm making a strong case for speaking the truth. But some people, because of their caustic way of communicating, they shroud the truth. They have a divisive edge about them. I'm speaking of an unmistakable attitude of smugness and arrogance and self-righteousness that shrouds the truth. These folks have succumbed to the Twitter vibe or the common tactics of the other side. The common tactics of the other side is to attack. There's no room for dialogue. There's no grace whatsoever. And unfortunately, many on our side in our camp have that Twitter vibe. For those of you who aren't on Twitter, I I am on Twitter mostly to follow the news. It's just a quick way to find out what's going on in the culture because I don't watch any television and I don't watch television, and, and I definitely don't watch the TV news. And so it keeps me apprised, and there's specific people that I follow that I know that I can get the news. As I was mentioning earlier with Franklin Graham, I know that I can, on the natural disaster side and what they are doing to help communities out that have been stricken with, you know, like say a, a tornado, a hurricane, whatever. So I, 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 But because I'm on that platform, it is a garbage dump. It is a heaping garbage dump. And unfortunately, many of these people that just add to the stench of Twitter are Christians because of their smugness, arrogance, self-righteousness, the attitudes in which they communicate the truth of God's word. And so my point here, number seven, let's not shroud the truth. Let's don't flinch. Let's don't blink. Point number eight, no retreat. Let's don't retreat 
But point number seven, don't shroud the truth with bad attitudes. All right, point eight, no retreat. You, me, millions of others must determine that we will speak out. We're going to do it imperfectly. And as I've said earlier, we must admit when we're wrong, but we cannot back down from what we know to be true. We can't. We absolutely can't. This perspective was the attitude of the martyrs who have gone before us. I'm not putting us in the camp of the martyrs, at least not yet. They, they gave their lives, as you read, like, say, the Fox's Book of Martyrs, as I have read. It is a litany of people who gave their lives uh, to the flames or uh, beheaded or other, other ways of, of being tortured for the faith. We're not there yet. We could very well be there, but we want to follow them. I heard a sermon this morning on John the Baptist out of the Gospel of Mark as he was beheaded for his faith, basically. As he got caught up standing for the truth of the sexual relationship of Herodias and Herod's family, and he lost his head because of that. Well, we, we are following that path. Of course, John, uh, he predated uh, the path of the Savior who gave his life because he, he stood for truth and there was a redemptive purpose and he would not retreat and we can't retreat. And so we have to have that attitude of those who have gone before us. It is the attitude of Christ. The most significant issue for today's Christian is that we've lived in the primarily unchallenged luxury of Christianity, nestled in a country that had our backs. I'm speaking of America now. And we have always, our country has always had our backs. As Lee Greenwood would say, I'm proud to be American, where I know that I'm free. And we live that way. And upon that platform, we have proclaimed the message of Christ. But now we want, to, we want to hide the message of Christ. We are afraid to stand up for truth because we know that that day has passed. And now we are exposed and we are vulnerable. We are afraid. We are censored by them and self-censored by ourselves. Point number eight, no retreat. Point number nine, study others. I mentioned this earlier already when I was talking about Franklin Graham as a person who, who does it well. But there are many, there are many others who do not know Christ. There are unbelievers who do not, they do not know Christ, but they're speaking out in ways that we should emulate. They really are. Many of you know Ben Shapiro. I, I wouldn't necessarily speak out the way he does. He's a bit caustic as, as well. But he doesn't know our Christ, but he's standing for the truth. There is Dennis Prager, uh, who is, is a kinder soul in his communication, but yet just as, just as firm. Recently, I watched a 90-minute interview that Jordan Peterson did with Abigail Schreier, two unbelievers who were conversing. They're on the same page. They were not arguing with each other. But I listened to the interview because... Again, I want to keep apprised of what's going on in the culture. Part of speaking out is to be informed. And I've been thinking about maybe doing a podcast, another podcast about some of the resources that I have read or some of the people that I follow, some of the things that I listen to. Maybe that would be beneficial. I, we just had a conversation 
on our private community uh, yesterday, and it, it spilled over into today as I was sharing an article that I read by the Jewish uh, writer Barry Weiss. And uh, two of our supporting members said that they really benefited by it. It really helped them. And I've been thinking about it anyway, that maybe it would be helpful just to list, list some of the people. But one of the things that I find interesting about people that don't know Christ, like Abigail Schreier and, and Jordan Peterson, is the civility in which they communicate, not just with each other. They're on the, they're on the same team. They're on our team, the conservative team, not the Christian team, but the conservative team. But when they communicate to other people, people who are not, who do not hold their views they can do it with, with a decorum that you really want to emulate. And I, I have seen many non-Christians who can communicate in the public space better than Christians could ever. It's embarrassing sometimes. And, and I watched this interview with Jordan Peterson and Abigail Schreier. Abigail Schreier wrote the book Irreversible Damage, many of you may be familiar with. And Amazon has banned on and off. Target has banned on and off. Uh, it may be, I don't know what the current status is. I know it's on Amazon because I have it linked here in these show notes. I'm not sure if it's at Target, but it keeps going in and out because they're Banning Books, and her book is a investigative report of uh, the dangers of transgenderism, of sp specifically young girls uh, saying that they are uh, in the wrong body, and she does an excellent study of that, and I've listened to her book several times, and I've watched several interviews by her. But watching this interview, which is linked here in the show notes, and it's under point number nine, Study Others, it was worth every minute of my time for many reasons. And, and one of the reasons, I mean, Abigail is one of those non-Christians who does not cross all of our T's and dot all of our I's, but she is laying her reputation on the line, her livelihood, her safety. She's laying it all on the line for the sake of teen girls who are making life-altering mistakes. And the last plea in this interview, it was worth the entire interview to watch the last five minutes. Her last plea in the interview was emotionally riveting and, and worth our emulation when it comes to speaking out. And I, I won't try to recreate that because I can't. It was, a, it was a spontaneous moment where she just shared her passion and why she does what she does. And that's why I say point number nine, we need to study others who are doing this well, whether they belong to Christ or not. And then number 10, choose the context in which you communicate. I choose the medium where I talk to folks about issues, and I have rules for doing it. Now, the platform that I choose is our forums, and it's been this way for more than a decade. I have said this one zillion times, like say on Facebook, that it is not a debate context. I will not argue with anyone. And if you have something that's vital to you that you want to talk about, and this is how, this is how you get out of having conversations with people because the truth is 99% of the people who have something that they want to talk about, it's not that important to them because they will not come to our forums to talk. If I had something that was important and I wanted to talk to somebody about it, I would follow their prescription. I would go to where they wanted me to talk if it was that important. 
But what happens is that people are lazy and they're on Facebook and they're going through the stream and they see something like say on your page and it's just, it's right in front of them. They, hey, what, what about this? And so forth and so on. And it's not that important. And if you get, if you're dragged into that, that's on you. I will not turn anybody away from any conversation, but I choose the context in which I will have that conversation. It's the same thing. It's the same rule or policy or whatever you want to call it that I have, like, say, at our church meeting, because people see me. It's like seeing the doctor at the church meeting. Hey, doctor, hey, what about this? I don't do that to my doctor, and I hope you don't do it to your doctor. That's lazy it, 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 it's not kind. It's not a gracious thing to do. He has a life to live, and he has a context to take care of you. And people see me, and they want to ask all these questions. It's like, hey, call the office. Let's set up a time. That typically eliminates almost all of it. And when it comes to Facebook, it does eliminate 99% of it because it's not that important to them. I will be dragged into your conversation if it's important to you, but you'll have to come to our forums. Now, I realize everyone doesn't have a forum. I get it. I get it. But you need to determine where you're going to have a conversation. Personally, I'm too busy producing good stuff for the world to get caught up in, in, what, in someone who wants to argue. And typically, most of those conversations don't advance the cause of Christ anyway. This is episode 310, 10 Helpful Ideas When Speaking Against the Cancel Culture. If you want to talk, come on over. Let's talk. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.